0: I'm preach to you this morning, in case you didn 't know, it, I feel like preaching so last week we talked about uh, what we 're talking about is is core values. everybody needs core values by the way, write down your core values, and I just challenge you to let your let the scripture be uh the initiator of your core values for your life. Figure out what's important to you and let God anoint your core values through his word and write it down. So my first core value is be ready. I preached about that last week. Be ready because the son of man will come in an hour that you think no, You can't do anything more important than be ready for the kingdom of God to come. That's why we're in church at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. Second thing, today we're going to talk about three words. Love never fails. Love never fa- Core value. Love. Isn't that wonderful? That love never fails. In a world where a lot of things are failing, Love. The Bible says that God is love. And if God is love, then... And if love never fails, then... Come on, you could preach this if you wanted to. It's so simple that even a fool couldn't waver. On this, I don't think... God never, ah, it's so sweet, isn't it? I mean, get this in your heart. Get it in you that God never fails. Lord, help us today, I pray in Jesus' name. For God so loved the world. God so, yeah, thank you for helping me. I know it's early, but y'all can if you want for God so, who'd he love? Does he love it the way it is? It's, it's a good question. Do you, does he love this world the way it is? Did, is there a contingency on God's love for the world? He doesn't like the way it is, but he still loves it. Y'all went back to what Pastor Daughter was talking about, was about love and liking. He doesn't like it, but he loves it. The reason he loves it is because what? People. People are in the world. And people are God's greatest treasure. That's a whole new core value for me, and that's not even in this series. So people are God's greatest treasure. For God to so love the world, that he gave his only. That whosoever, mm, mm, God said, whosoever. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is today. It doesn't matter where you come from. You are a whosoever. For God so loved the world that believes in him should not perish. Max Lucado put it this way, God so loved the world, we'd expect an anger-fueled God. We would expect an anger-fueled God. Looking at the world we look at, we would think that God would be anger-fueled. And he said, one who punishes the world, recycles, condemns the world, forsakes the world, but loves the world. The world, this world, heartbreakers, home snatchers, dream dowsers, prowlers of this planet, dictators, rage, abusers, afflict, reverence, think they deserve the title. But God loves, and he loves the world so much that he gave his declarations, rules, Dicta, edicts, no. He gave his son, his only son. A few years back, I preached a sermon entitled, Love, the Non-Negotiable. God is love and God, listen to this, is a non-negotiable. You can't negotiate God out of this world. You can't, doesn't matter who believes it, who doesn't believe it, what they buy into, what we buy into, God is still going to be God no matter what we think or do. God is a non-negotiable. You can't negotiate God out of your life. You can't negotiate God out of this world. You can't negotiate God out of The plan that he has for this world. You cannot negotiate God out of this because God is a non-negotiable. Eternity is something that has to do a lot to do with love. Eternity is God put eternity in all of our hearts. Uh, the police recently busted a man for selling a secret formula and it was tablets that he claimed to give eternal youth the arresting officer and the desk sergeant sergeant went through their records and they said look this man has a. uh, this is the fifth time this guy's been arrested for the same criminal medical fraud <clears throat> the sergeant asked him, he so, said, well, what, what, what was his priors? He said, well, let's see. He was arrested in 1794, 1854, <laughs> 1968, and 2013. <laughs> it seems like everybody's looking for the eternal pill. When all we really need is the eternal God. John the Baptist John the apostle had lived in Ephesus into his extreme old age and could hardly be carried to the meetings and when he was speaking he could no longer put together words and he would say would not say anything else in the meetings besides little children love one another and you know how old people are right we repeat ourselves well, he really repeated himself all the time. And he kept saying, little children love one another. And they said, Master, why do you keep saying the same thing? And he replied, he said, because it is the Lord's command. And it is enough if it is really done. Love one another. So this morning, today, might seem repetitive. But I'm going to be faithful to God's word. In First John chapter 4, you can't preach about love without going to 1 John chapter 4. If you all have your Bibles, you can return to it or in your phone or whatever you want to do. 1 John chapter 4 talks about knowing God, knowing God through love. How do we know God? We cannot know God until we know what love really is. You, that's where you say amen. I said, you can't know God until you know what love is. Because our world has manipulated love into something that is not of God. That's good. Here it is. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves... From God's definition, he's talking about everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. In this, in this. Everybody say in this. This is important. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. <clears throat> and if we live through him and he is love, then we live through his His love. Verse 10, in this is love. <laughs> Not that we love God. We're so are we bad about patting ourselves on the back. Oh, okay, I know you're holy. (laughs) In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. We get this little entitlement situation in this attitude in our lives that we deserve this. And we're entitled to this love. Nothing could be further from the truth in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Mm, mm, mm. That he loved us, sent his only son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, to take our punishment and to bring reconciliation with all of the sin that we have in our lives. And he reconciles us through his blood sacrifice. For our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides. If we love one another, God abides in us. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given uh, given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son as savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the, the father has sent the son as savior of the world whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Word of God, Jesus is the Son of God, and when Jesus speaks through the Word of God, he speaks to us because he loves us. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him, and he in God, and we have known and believed that The love that God has for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Good stuff, isn't it? Boldness on the day of judgment. Because he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. This is convicting a little bit. There is no fear. I think everybody, whether they want to admit it or not, has some fear in them. It's kind of what Pastor Dollar is talking about whenever she's talking about, about worshiping. It's like, it's like, and singing those songs. I thought the same thing when, when we were singing that. I was like, I kind of got convicted about that. There's no fear. In love, but perfect love, God perfected in us, love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So now it moves into verse 20 talking about obedience by faith. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. I just want to slow down there for a minute. For he does not love, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. I always get edgy when I hear someone make a definitive statement about God. There are so many aspects of God that any single statement always feels a little bit deficient. God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present, compassionate. He is also just. He is our creator. He's our redeemer. John 4 says that, the, that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in this is important. Don't overlook that. That if we worship him, we worship him in spirit and in, I can't hear you very good, in truth. So if we are, if we don't worship Him in truth, then we really don't really love Him because we don't love the Word because Jesus is the Word. So if we want to love God in a healthy way, we must know the Word of God and we must know the truth of the Word of God and not buy into the deception of the world that deludes and attempts to redefine the Word of God. Does that make sense? Chapter one of John in the letter it says God is light and in, in him there's no darkness. Twice it tells us in John chapter four that God is love. In chapter three, there are two things that we are in that are two things we that are necessary for pleasing God. They are that we love one another and that we remain faithful to what we are taught about Jesus, because it says without faith it's impossible to please God. Here again, he exhorts us, beloved, beloved let us love one another. The reason we, God's asked us to love one another is because love is of God. The reason we must love one another because love is of God, because love is God. Everyone who loves us is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. It's a non-negotiable, for God is love. The source of love is God, just as the source of hatred is Satan. So love is the evidence that we're both born of God and know God. The one and only point... <laughs> The one and only point for this sermon today is love. Love. So how can we show love? The term love can be ambiguous. It means its meaning has been hijacked by popular culture. What makes it even trickier is that we only have one word to cover the whole range of meaning of love. I can say, I love my wife or I love my children or I love my parents or I love chocolate or I love the rope or I love oh just lounging out the pool. I just love that, which I don't really love that. (laughs) But unless you look carefully at the context to see What sort of love I'm talking about, it really isn't clear because the word love covers a lot of space. So what happens here in America, we come to the same word for that wide range of meanings as though they were all equal. In our culture, we want to clump everything into the same thing, and you cannot clump love into one word. And so uh, the Greek word for love, the Greek language in the New Testament uses, if has four different words for love. In English, we have to explain all of these different types of love using just one word. So there's four words. One of the words is phileo. This is a word that means friendship and family relationships, it is often translated into the English as brotherly love, and that's where the word Philadelphia got their name, the city of brotherly, there you go, y'all sharp, and then there's storge, and this word is a more in-depth family relationship than phileo, Romans 12, 10. it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love which really uses both the words phileo and storge in honor giving preference to one another. Eros, this is a word that means romantic sexual love or passionate love, <clears throat> one of which one of the Greek gods was even named Eros. You can, you can, all you have to do really is turn on the television to see this kind of love. It's... Kind of superficial. The word eros does not appear in the Bible. The Bible approves of sexual relations within the marriage between a man and a woman. I'm just going to wait a minute here. But it does not even discuss the type of love inherent in this world. Agape, the best there is in the world of love, John 4 which we just got through reading, God is love, when, and it uses the word agape love. The verse also says that he, does, he who does not love, meaning someone who does not respond to the depths of love, who does not love, does not really know the full depths of friendship, family love, or even sexual love. In other words, if you don't understand agape love, you'll never get any of that other kind of love. The highest form of love, the love of God for man, the love of God for man and of man for God. It embraces the universal, listen to this, unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstances. This kind of love Is the love that God has for us, and this is the kind of love that he's asked us to have for one another. Anybody here needs some of this today? We talk about conviction. Our culture has continually blurred God's definition of love. The attempt to redefine love has probably been the greatest reason for the decline of the family structure. In our culture, attempt to redefine love, we have also failed miserably in our attempt attempt to redefine God because if you want to redefine love, you have to redefine God and his purpose for America and ultimately the world. We say we love our kids Do we know how to love our kids? This 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 first service, I've noticed, it's a little bit more. No offense, but it's people that are a little bit older, a lot of us, and then then some, then some, some that can't sleep, and then there's uh, there's uh, we have some young people, and, uh, and very very few kids. But us as, I'm a grandparent as well. If I'm going to be a good steward of my kids and of my grandkids, I've got to do something about this culture that we live in. And one of the one of the biggest travesties of the church today is that only half of Christians actually go to the polls and vote. I'm telling you, it didn't get this way by us being diligent and really loving. So what is, in many ways, we've failed the future generation by having to live out the consequences of misplaced priorities and redefined love. In many ways, us older people have really failed in our world, in, in America today. We have failed our kids and our grandkids. We have, an over, we have over $30 trillion in debt. In, in many, if not most cases, our teens know more about social media than we do. The result of showing up for work, and it seems to be an option today, instead of a necessity. The nation goes in, in debt to pay you not to work. Then we go into, into debt because we don't want to work and we don't have to. And then <clears throat> our whole culture has done everything they can do to tear up the family structure. Jared Eckhart. A research associate for the Heritage Foundation says this, talking about love here. On average, teens spend almost nine hours plugged in, in every on every single day. Nine hours. Fasten your seatbelt. It's gonna get a little rougher. The left's goal, the radical left's goal is to create a new generation of drag kids. Behind those screens, sexual and transgender content saturates the digital spaces where most teens hang out. I'm talking about love right now. Don't forget that. A simple hashtag search will instantly load thousands of LGBTQ posts on the social media platform of choice. For example, on Wattpad, a new social media platform, OneSearch turns up over 4.5 million original story uploads. Or consider TikTok, a search for top surgery, loads of countless clips of young women flaunting mutilated chests with millions of views. None of this happens by chance. Digital spaces are ever more designed to promote sexual and transgender content. If you don't believe any of that, you got your head in the sand. For years, Tumblr allowed adult content, content to its servers before changing its policies. Others like Twitter continue to allow pornography on their platform with respect to transgender content. TikTok updated, updated its community guidelines this year so that anti-LGBTQ content is no longer allowed... Most re- recently, Twitter, ha- which has long censored dissenters, has been deplatforming those who s- say transgender activism is grooming. Some platforms, even designed to hide youth's activity from watchful eye of their parents. Some online LGBTQ sites. Such as Q chat space and LGBT hotline chat rooms allow youth to easily chat with LGBTQ strangers. If that wasn't bad enough, these sites fi- feature a quick escape button that hides the chat. Nine hours a day. Georgia House of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, she put on her door about transgenders. She said, you can't change your gender, trust the science. How did we get here? It's a good question. Some of us older people, we have the luxury of understanding what has happened in our society. And in 1965, Lyndon B. Johnson created the Great Society, which was one of the biggest travesties for America and for black America, mostly for black Americans. The government decided to incentivize single mothers who did not marry their fathers of their children, and they would actually send government agents into welfare projects to make sure there was no father present so the mother could get a bigger welfare check. The more kids she had, the more money she got, but they would only give her more money if the father wasn't present. Some of y'all remember that. The plague of fatherlessness ensued, leading to nearly 72% of all American black children being born without married parents by 2015. 72% marriage had become a rare and distant thing. Don't think our society and our culture, they don't want the family structure to be the family structure. They don't want men to be men and they don't want women to be women. They just want to, it's like down there at Starbucks. They got a little, on the bathroom, they got a little thing. It's got one side of it's got a little dress and then there's no dress on the other side. Go look at it. They don't want us to be who God created us. Did it have to be this way? When Johnson came into office in 1963, more than 90% of all American babies had married parents. In 1960, census showed that nearly nine of every 10 children from birth to 18 years lived with two married parents. In fact, before... Between 1940 and 1965, illegitimacy had grown from 4 to 8%, but in the 25 years that would follow, those numbers dramatically jumped to nearly 30% by 1990. Today, more than 40% of all Americans are born to unmarried mothers. More than three. I mean, this is the disintegration of the marriage. This is the disintegration of what God intended for love to be in America today. More than three of every 10 children live in some arrangement other than two-parent homes. Cohabitation continues to climb and has become the acceptable norm for millions of Americans. The most recent Census Bureau report says barely half of all American children are living with both married biological parents. Why did the disciples choose the term agape when they wanted to describe Christian love? What's wrong with those other words? It's a good question. Perhaps the problem is this. When we use one of these first three words, we're describing a love that's essentially more grounded in self-gratification, what we want rather than what What God wants. In short, where eros wants to take, agape wants to give. Are you still with me out there? Listen, notice... The nature of this love there's no sense that God loves in response to our love for him if you don't basically he's not saying if you don't love me I won't love you that's what our world says God says I'm gonna love you no matter what you remember growing up when you was dating people and you and I remember. One girl, she says, she asked me, it's been a long time ago, so I don't remember, don't remember very well, but she said, she asked me the question, do you love me? I'm like, oh, well, uh, uh. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh. But how do you define it? You know what I mean? Like, back then, like, we, we called it puppy love. Like, we didn't know about love, did we? How many married people, you got married and you didn't really know what it was when you got married? My name's Randy Weaver. I didn't know. And I'm still learning. Amen? I got to put a bow on this thing. No fear in love. Y'all remember that. Hatred is the opposite of love. If you don't love someone, then in effect, you really do hate them. Did you catch that? If you you don't love someone, in effect, from God's perspective, you really hate them. God's love is a little bit tougher kind of love. So I got to read this to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We can't do a sermon about love without reading this if i speak in the love in the tongue, and if i speak in the tongues of men and of angels and if i have not love i'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal if i have the gift of prophecy can fathom all mysteries all knowledge if i have faith so i can move mountains but have not love i'm nothing If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Doesn't matter if doctrine is perfect. If we have the most talented musicians on the face of the earth, if we have a prophetic word in every service twice a week, or if we have enough faith to see people healed out of wheelchairs, or if you speak in the tongue and speak in tongues every time we come to church or every time that we pray, if we lack love, we are not the church of Jesus Christ. Each gift is given to bless God and to be a blessing to his people. Paul goes on to describe what this love looks like. I'm going to have to, I got to do this, I got to do this the way we do it. It wasn't an accident. Pastor Dollar talked about what we sing. You ever think about that? What you sing, do we really mean what we sing? So I'm going to ask you, I think if we, before the service, we would, if we would ask each other, do you, do you love, do you love people? Do you love God? We go, oh yeah, I love, I love people. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to test you. We're going to do a little test. Instead, and in chapter 13, verse four, it talks about what love is. And so we're going to do a test. And instead of the word love, we're going to say our name. Y'all with me so far? So I'm going to say Randy, and when I say Randy, you say it out loud. Say your name, okay? Are we good? Okay, here we go. Randy is patient. Oh, goodness, I already failed the test. (laughs) I'll go on. Randy? is kind sometimes Randy does not envy Randy does not boast (laughs) it's tough isn't it Randy say your name is not proud. You don't have to say the last part, you just have to say whether you are or you think about it. Randy is not rude. (laughs) We're going on. (laughs) This is challenging, isn't it? Y'all think about this. Randy is not self-seeking. (laughs) Man, I'm getting all kinds of convicted here. Randy is not easily angered. I know it. Me too. Randy keeps no record of wrongs. Randy does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Randy always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Randy, say your name. never fails <laughs> I was reading that and I was getting this sermon together I was just like crying like a baby because uh, like I, don't, I don't I don't really pass the test anybody else with me raise your hand if you got yeah okay Grace is something that is in an interesting word. I gotta I gotta roll on and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wind put a stop this sermon. Grace is an interesting thing. You would not need grace if there was no right and wrong. Because if there, there was no right and wrong, and that's what our world wants to do. They want they want everybody just to be their own, to to do their own thing to and and it's just so our world is messed up completely. They don't want there to be a right and wrong. They they want to justify everything, everything. The reason that God made grace is because he knew that we really needed help in the process of following him and maturing and growing in him, if that makes sense. Because we all we all there's things in this love deal that that we've I we fail miserably. And and the reason I say it is that Jesus said he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. The world through him might be saved. And so we all come to church because we're like, man, I, I got to have some help with this because I bought into some of these things that the world's telling, that, that the deception of the evil ones of the world. They're just like, so today, thank God for his Grace, don't abuse his grace and settle for not trying to follow closer. Does that make sense? Love, because God loves us. He loves no matter what the sin is. All of these things that our culture is embracing. God loves the homosexuals. He loves the transgender people. He loves the, the, the liars. He loves the murderers. He loves the adulterers. He loves everybody the same. But that doesn't mean that we have to em- embrace that in our culture and settle for the culture. I believe God wants to raise up warriors in this room Against a culture that has tried to prevail and do away with the the work of God's love. Yeah. let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to digest. and Lord, I pray today that you would help this message to marinate in each and every one of us. We know no way we could really cover all the content of who you are and your love. There's just no way. So, Lord, as we embrace this process uh, and we look at these convicting words of what love is and the things that you have perfected, the, the perfection that you are, we strive for that. And we thank you for the grace and the mercy in the process, Lord. Thank you for embracing us in our weaknesses you said that we are made strong and we thank you for that in jesus name keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second if you've never accepted christ as your personal savior the greatest gift to you is knowing god is to accept him as your personal savior and let him come into your life and let him be the lord of your life because without him you'll never really know what love is So if you've never accepted him, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Anybody. Preacher, that's me. Anybody. Slip your hand up high. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? It's a tough challenge, isn't it? To love God. The way God loves. (sighs) How many need more help loving? Man, I've been convicted by this whole message. I I don't, I don't, I I got a long way to go, but I'm going to keep showing up. We got our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, we'd love to have you. Let me pray for you. Let's all raise our hands and surrender to God. Lord, you see our hands. We need your love. We need your passion. We need your purpose, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is living and powerful inside of us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in every area of our lives. May you... May your light shine through us, oh God. I just, Satan, I bind you from our thinking. Everybody in this room that, that Lord Jesus, that you would take our thoughts and help us to take the thoughts captive that are not of you, oh God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Help us, Lord, to follow you closely in everything we do. And the truth we you said will set us free. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. God bless y'all. We love you. Come back. Keep showing up. Study the Word of God. It's a truth.